Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, dare I say, Bashamaniacs, welcome back to Bashamania, the podcast where you can get the stories, insight, laughs, and knowledge from the absolute best wrestlers in the world. If this is your first time here, I'm your host, Justin Bash, and as always, I'm grateful for you giving the show a listen. If you're a repeat listener, dare I say, a Bashamaniac, which I can't really say with a straight face, but if you're a pro wrestling fan... You understand where that's coming from. Either way, thank you. The more love you show this show, the more I want to keep taking it up a notch. Speaking of taking it up a notch, if you're an avid listener of the podcast or if you just happen to get a ton of value out of this episode, if you want to support the podcast, the easiest thing you can do is subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review and a rating on Apple Podcast. If you want to support the show even more, there is now apparel, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, hats, stickers, magnets, all available at shop.bashmania.com. But even if you're just listening to this show, I appreciate the support and your time. Speaking of this show, now, the reason you are listening. Today, we have arguably one of the most successful wrestlers yet on the podcast. I'd be here all day if I rattled off his accomplishments, but he's a four-time NCAA champ at four different weight classes, the only one to ever do that. He's a Hodge Trophy winner, and he's a two-time world champion, along with a plethora of other accomplishments. And this April, if he wants to check that final box of being an Olympic champion, he's got to go through five-time world and Olympic champion Jordan Burroughs. We talk about all that and more in the following conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashamania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. How you doing, Kyle? I'm good. How you doing, Justin? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm pumped to have this conversation. I think the first conversation you and I had that I remember was... On press row at the Worlds in 2015 in Vegas, and I remember like wanting to chat more because I feel like you're one of the most unique wrestlers in the sport, especially from not not only just success but the way you approach the sport. So super pumped to, to dive in and, and talk about everything that's led you to today. So I know you just traveled to Colorado Springs for the training camp, and I'm curious, what's the competitive environment like there right now? I mean, two months out from the trials, you guys are all at peak of your training and prep what's the vibe there right now you know i think um you know coach coach zadik is trying to make it so that you know it's like oh it's about the team we're trying to qualify the weights yeah and and that's it um but at the same time you look around the room and you're like oh i'm probably gonna have to wrestle that guy probably have to wrestle that guy probably right. have to wrestle that guy. so it's like you know you kind of you want to get better and at the end of the day you know you want to win an olympic gold medal 
So, you know, you're going to try to gain as much knowledge as you can, and you're going to bet on yourself. And, and that's a big thing for me is just like, all right, I know these guys are going to be here, but I'm confident in my ability to get better faster than their ability to, you know, figure out what I'm, what I'm doing to get better. Sure. So, you know, there's like today, <laughs> I, I literally asked every single person in the, in the room. Well, not every person. I knew who everyone's partner was. Yeah. Like, hey, you got one? They're like, yeah, I'm going with Machiavella. All right. Yeah. Hey, you got one? Yeah, I'm going with Ashnall. Hey, you got one? And so it's just like over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And uh, so then the, the last two guys that didn't have a partner were uh, me and Zach Sanders. So <laughs> we just we worked on our our morning skills and um, you know got better. So that was good. That's sweet. And I want to dive in more to 74 kilos and the Olympics and this documentary you got going. But before that, I want to go back a little bit and establish some of your backstory. And here's some of the perspective that led you here. I mean, you have one of the most chronicled college careers of all time, but I feel like the senior level is so interesting because as soon as you become a world champion in wrestling, you accrue so many fans. And I'm not only sure there's certain fans who want to hear more of your backstory. I know I'm curious. So the, the first thing we'll kind of start when you were young, growing up, you know, getting started in wrestling, when did you know you were good? Like, when did you know you had a future in front of you that would be one that everyone knows? You were a four-time NCAA champ in four different weight classes. The only one to ever do that. And any real follower of this sport will remember that. Like, when did you know you were going to be good? You know, I I had always thought I was, you know, thought I was good. You know, I always thought I was going to be pretty good but i didn't know what that meant right um you know so i was you know i was winning local tournaments but then you know we'd drive a couple hours away and i would lose a match or two and then you know whether i remember going to tournament of champions out in, in ohio yep. and running into david taylor and running into logan steber and like you're like what the heck how am i how am i ever <laughs> gonna beat these guys right and 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 then really when it when it kind of clicked for me was um my sixth grade year I was schoolboy and we went out to schoolboy duels and I, I just mowed through pretty much everybody. You know, the two, the one loss I took in Greco was to Logan Steber, but I was like, I should have beat him. So I was like, oh, okay. I, I mean, I feel pretty good about that. Even right. though I never feel good about a loss, but, right. um, and then, um, I lost to another kid, Chris Villalonga, who, you know, he pretty much won everything when we were kids too. And, so I was like, oh, I, I could I could be pretty good now. And then I went to tournament champions that year and won it. And I was like, okay, you know, I've never won this tournament. I've been here like five or six times. Never won. Now I finally won. And I think I can be pretty good. But then, you know, so then my seventh and eighth grade year, I wrestled varsity. And I was a lot smaller than, than everyone because I only weighed about, you know, 78 pounds. And you had to weigh <laughs> right. 88, 88 to wrestle the minimum weight, which was 96. So yep. I was tiny 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 wrestling a lot bigger guys and i was doing really well i think i my record was like 25 and 5 um i, I there was no wild cards and um it was one division back then or no it had just turned two divisions but the state champ was from our section so you know i i wasn't really expecting to go he was a he was a fifth year senior or not fifth year senior he was a senior going and he had planned on going to iowa central and i was like oh man this guy's incredible blah 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 right and uh, so it was just like <clears throat> it was it was tough um, my seventh grade year. But 
that's when I knew I'm like, I can beat these guys. Like I, I know I can beat them. If I was their size, I'd beat them. And, you know, when I finally became a, a normal sized, uh, high school kid, which was still a pipsqueak, I was 96, my freshman year, right. I finally, you know, I finally was winning in a lot of different places. And, you know, I'd taken some rough losses. My, I was undefeated my freshman year in high school and then was beating the guy nine zero going into the third period and shot a sing, a sloppy single. I got spoiled and pinned my only loss of the year. Oh man, I was, I was heated. I was so mad. Yeah. That doesn't happen to you often. <laughs> no. And I, you know, and, but it's just like those little things, like you, it almost seems like you have to have something like that to, to push you to, to want to get better, to kind of create that obsession. And that's what I was going to ask you next is like how you continue to get better when you said like, you know, right now, like one of the main storylines for Olympic trials, which we'll get into in a few minutes is like you and Burroughs. And over the last five years, it's been you and Burroughs and Taylor and even young, you had Logan, a four time NCAA champion and Taylor, a world champion and NCAA champion. Already you were in that group. Like how did you set out to get better and establish yourself even more? I think a little bit was just like stubbornness on, on my part. And I, and I, I say that in the most uh, endearing way ever is like, sure. when you see these guys, they're just stubborn, they're stingy and they don't, they don't want to give ground in any, you know, anywhere in a wrestling. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, you see them outside, outside the room or outside the competition area. And, you know, they're not stubborn. And, and I felt that same way. You know, sure. when I was a kid, I was stubborn all over just because I felt like I had to be um, to get by. Because I was a little kid. I would always get picked on by my older friends, even or even though I could take them down. And right. Still just, you know, it's like, oh, this little guy's beating up on me. But, um, you know, so it's like I always felt like I needed to prove myself a little bit. And then when I got to college, um, I just wanted to get better. And my first two years, I had lost um, two times. And then my, the next year, everyone was saying how I, you know, I wouldn't have won if, if so-and-so was healthy or, you know, my weight class, everyone laughed and, you know, graduated. And, you know, I was just like, man, I need to, no, I need to show that I'm the best. And, you know, so then I ended up going up and and wrestling the fourth weight class and kind of cement myself in in college history. Sure. But then, you know, I felt like there was some time, like, you know, I still felt like I needed to get better. And ever since 2013, I had thought, you know, I was, I was the best in the world. I thought I was the best, most talented guy in the world. I could win a world championship. And, you know, just the way, the way things worked out, I, I never had an opportunity to, to prove it. Right. Um, and that's just, that's the system that we're, we're under as a sport. And, you know, it kind of has to be that way. You know, I, I thought I was there, and I had beaten really good guys. You know, I had beaten Sargush, I had beaten Shabana, who was a medalist, yep. and you know, I I had beaten a lot of really good guys, and I was just I just happened to be in the same weight class as as Jordan. And you know, there was never a time in my career where I thought he is so much better than me. There was no chance I'll ever be able to beat him. And you know, I had seen the work that he had put in the room, and I was like, man, I work just as hard as this guy. Right. And you know it. And, you know, you watch him go out and, you know, kind of decimate people. And then I'm like, man, I could do that too. And, you know, we would, I think in 2013, I went over to the World Cup in Azerbaijan. 
and was wrestling all the same, you know, cause there was a camp. I was wrestling all the same guys that he was wrestling because I was, the, you know, I was the backup and nobody wanted to wrestle, you know, Jordan, Jordan didn't want to wrestle those guys leading up right. to the match in case they tried to like, you know, punch him in the face and break his nose. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I wrestled those guys and I was just crushing them too. I was like, man, I am right there. And you know, there, the, the kind of story after that is, you know, kind of written, written out there, you know, 2014, I was hurt 15. I came back, you know, with a few months training and, you know, still didn't get it done. And then 16, I came back and went up a weight class because there was nobody sitting out and, you know, was inches away from making the team. And it, you know, just frustration after frustration, Yeah. get shoulder surgery, come back, short training cycle again, wrestle, fall short again. And then 18, you know, I feel like, man, I, I have an opportunity here. I don't have cutting weight and, you know, I can, I can wrestle where I feel good. I'm going to go do it. And, you know, lo and behold, win a world title, come back the next year, win a world title. And, and here we are ready for uh, the next Olympic run. And I'm curious too, because, you know, you're, you were very successful at the college level and you were very successful at the senior level. And yet both paths look so different. Like you, you had adversity in college, but it looked different than your adversity at the senior level. And I'm curious, like it's obviously such different pressures too. like the pressure at the senior level to make the Olympic team is different than it was in college. Do you feel the difference in the pressure? Like, I don't know if you, if you put pressure on yourself to like wanting to become a four time national champ at four different weights, and you know, even being a four time national champ aside from just the four different weight classes, like that is such an accomplishment. Do you feel a difference in the pressures from setting out for both of those goals? You know, I, I I've I've spoken on this in the past about you know what I view pressure as, yeah. and. You know, in the past, I had said, you know, pressure is not a real thing. It's, you know, your body telling you that you're ready to go. And 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 to an extent, that is true. You're, you're literally just you're getting butterflies because you have adrenaline dumped into your in your stomach and your body's just fight or flight ready to go. And if you can just take that stance on it, you don't have to, you know, constantly constantly wear yourself out and get tired leading into those, those big moments. Um, but it's just, and and, you know, what's the difference between a big moment and a small moment? It's hard to tell at the time when you look back, you can kind of be like, wow, that was a really big moment and I got through it. But at the time of it, it just seems like another thing. It seems like another moment that's passing by and you're like, Oh, I'm going to get through this. Um, (laughs) anyway. And do you feel the difference when it's like, you know, throughout your career you've had different frustrations too whether it's um injuries for a couple years and then being a runner-up for a couple years for the world team olympic team trials like how do you overcome that adversity and stay the course like you said like you're one of the absolute best wrestlers in the world and here you're two for you know you've the two times you made the world team you've won the world championship and dominance so you know from, from your whole career how successful you are and how good you are how do you overcome that adversity when something doesn't go your way and you don't make a team and you're the runner up though, you know how good you are. It's not, you didn't win because you're not good enough, right? Like how do you stay focused and stay the course to not get discouraged, which I feel like so many people get sidetracked by that discouragement. You know, that's the, the kind of crazy thing about wrestling is that, you know, it's so intimate that you have to, 
you only have yourself to blame yep. and you only have really yourself to give success. And, and that changes a little bit. You know, there are coaches, I've had coaches who are like, you know, I feel bad because I feel like I, I didn't prepare you well enough to go out there. I'm like, listen, you, you know, we did exactly, we did exactly what we had to do to go out there. We can't be, you know, second guessing ourselves now. You know, we, I believe, you know, I've had the, the exact right training that I've needed to the past three and a half years. Sure. And, um, I've never, you know, I've never felt better, but at the same time, when, when you win, it, everyone is willing to give, everyone's willing to accept, you know, responsibility when you win. Sure. You know, people are willing to accept that. And it, and I'm not saying that just for me, I, I can see it, you know, I see it with other athletes, not only in wrestling, but in other sports, you know, when, when, you know, your team wins the championships, everyone's like, yeah, we did this, we did this, we did this. And then, you know, when, if you guys, if your team happens to lose, it's like, oh man, it was a rest fall. Oh, we were injured. We had this, we had this, we had this. And it, you know, you, you build excuses to kind of keep yourself from crumbling all the way to the bottom. Yep. And, you know, you, and I'm not saying that excuses are, are necessary or relevant or irrelevant for that matter. It's just, you know, the way people cope with events that happen and, you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to care too much that, you know, it ruined your entire life, but you don't want to care too little to where, you know, you're not willing to, to spend the extra time, you know, thinking about it or getting, you know, putting in, putting those extra hours like, Oh, I need to, I need to drive down to get different partners. I need to go to Penn state. I need to go Ohio state. I need to go, you know, I need to fly these, these two Russians in. I need to bring in whoever it is to come train with me. You know, if you don't care enough, you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. I can handle this and, and we'll be good to go. So there's a, there's a little bit of a balance there. And, um, you know, I think that the best guys in the world figure out that balance and, you know, they don't, they don't really second guess themselves once they, once they enter down a path. Sure. And, and, you know, speaking of never feeling better, like, especially it seems post college, you've developed such a pretty unique training regimen and a perspective on health. You know, I've seen different like flow films and your Instagram content, like you've got certain water filters and red screen on your phone, orange glasses. Um, you do the functional pattern training, which seems absolutely insane um, to, to, like, to view it, right? And the vitamin D, walking barefoot and all these things, like it, it's such a unique perspective. I'm curious what led you to that and then how do you personally judge if you feel better? Like how much time do you give it or how do you weigh these things up and say, okay, this is actually working or maybe I just think this work or like how do you judge that? You know, the, there's, there's a lot to unpack in that, in that whole thing. But I think the, the main reason that I was, I was willing to, to change was because I wasn't getting the results I needed to. And I felt that those results, the reason I didn't get those results is because I was hindered in some way or another, whether it be an injury, whether it be, I wasn't strong enough, whether it be, I wasn't fast enough. Um, there was something going on where I was like, you know what? I need to, you know, I need to make a, make a change for the better. And it's actually funny. And in, in uh, 2013, my wife and I we got an apartment together and I would, I remember distinctly sitting on the couch and watching a, watching a movie and in the, I forget what movie it is, but they were talking about, 
you know, increasing your mitochondrial potential by one and a half percent. And it created this like huge physical output. And I was like, so that like kind of led me down this path, like, okay, well, how can I, how can I enhance my mitochondria in a way that will allow me to produce more energy or, um, I don't, you're so much smarter than me. Cause I don't, that, that's so far over my head on what I can comprehend. It's wild that that resonated with you. And, and you know, I would, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was so wrapped up in the fact of wanting to get better. Sure. And, you know, even if it was a, a sci-fi movie and they were talking about it, it's like, man, that makes sense. There's got to be a way that I can, I can enhance my cellular biology so that at the, you know, at the micro level, I'm the best I can possibly be. And I, I started to do that and I did start to feel better. I started to, um, feel noticeable changes. And, you know, the, the funny thing is you'll, you'll feel a change and then it becomes your norm. And then once it becomes your norm, the only way you can tell that it's working is if you step away from it. And, you know, it, I, I kind of view it as like, like a diet. So let's say you do an elimination diet and you do it for a while and then you're feeling really, really good. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, you know what? I'm going to introduce X, you know, X food. And right. you introduce it, and then you're like, oh, wow, I feel horrible. That's kind of the way I view it with all this, all these other therapies that I'm doing. And it, it made sense to me because I wanted, to, I wanted to get back to get back to when humans were like just gladiators. When they Primal, were, right. So they were so badass and tough. They had to you know, withstand the elements. They didn't have all these little luxuries and, um, you know, they just had to, they had to, they had to survive. And I needed to put myself in a, you know, a similar situation. Like, okay, you know, these guys are, are doing this. I should probably try to try to mimic that in as many ways as possible without, you know, killing my, you know, future wife. You know, I wanted, I wanted right. to have no heat in the house. I wanted everything to, you know, I wanted us to have wool blankets and leave the windows open in the middle of winter and no heat and blah, 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 blah. And it just obviously doesn't make a lot of sense with, with the technolo- technological advances that we have. Right. But, um, you know, I was starting to change my diet. I was starting to eat more of a, a paleo diet. And, you know, I, I had bounced around with different, different forms. And, you know, I, I had a lot of help, um, from my, my college roommate, actually, he, he was like laying, you know, planting these seeds in my brain, probably since we were, we moved, we, we moved in together sophomore year and he had been planting seeds for three or four years. Like, Hey, you got to do this. You got to do this. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm winning. Don't worry about me. Right. And you know, I can, I can have my sugar cookies, jalapeno chips and and not diet Mountain Dew all I want because, <laughs> right. you know, all I have to do is make weight and I'm going to go kick ass. And right. I wasn't really thinking about it because I was just young and stupid. I, I wasn't willing to listen and I thought that I do I do the best way to do it. And, you know, maybe it worked, but was it the best way? Looking back, no, absolutely not. And did it did it cause some, some future health problems? Yeah, probably. And, you know, th- so there was just a lot of a lot of learning to go into it and, you know, as a as a person who wanted to make it into a career, you gotta you gotta leave no stone left unturned, and that's that's kind of what I did. And you know, so my roommate introduced me to his 
you know, future mother-in-law and she, you know, she does holistic health, chiropractic medicine, all sorts of, you know, uh, what people would call, you know, alternative medicine and it works, you know, and and not only does it work, you know, there's no like side effects to it that like, well, maybe there are, the side effects are, are beneficial though. You know, I'm not worried about, oh man, I have ridiculous acid reflux after taking that, you know, antibiotic or whatever it was. You know, it's just, you know, there's, it's a different way of looking at the human body and, after after doing it one way for so long and making the switch and feeling that difference, I was like, "There's there's no going back for me. Like I can't go back." And that that was really the the kickstart to this whole thing. It was like my buddy planting those seeds, you know, trying to enhance my mitochondria, and then all of a sudden I'm just like doing all everything. I'm you know, I'm grounding or earthing. I'm getting out in the sun in the morning, even when it's cloudy in the middle of winter, you know, I um, got my phone screen red. I do. There's so many protocols that I follow that now just seems normal to me. Like I don't, it doesn't, doesn't change. It, it doesn't hinder my day in any way. It's sure. just pe- other people are like, Oh, you actually do that. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm trying to win. I'm trying to take every advantage I can. And, and that's and then finally, you know, one of the last pieces, and even the biggest piece of the puzzle was, um, you know, with functional patterns. You know, Naudi Aguilar and Pablo Martin. Pablo was, was my guy for two years at Cornell, and Naudi is, you know, the he's the founder of it, and he he's been by my side this this whole time. We've had bumps in the road, and you know, it's it always seems to work out for us. And, you know, I help him because, you know, I just happen to be a really good athlete and he can learn stuff, you know, from watching me move. But then I, you know, I learn a hundredfold from him, just like trying to figure out the, the human predicament, which is, you know, we're not, we don't move very well as a species. Like people don't move well. They have pain. They're coping with so many different things um, in their life that, they don't realize, you know, what they're doing and being able to, you know, move pain free has been a luxury, you know, cause I see, you know, I had been, I had been the guy who had been in a bunch of pain. I had been that right. guy who, you know, had to deal with all those injuries and deal with, you know, not feeling your best. And now I see it everywhere. You know, I see it with, with college athletes. I see it with high school athletes. I see it with senior level athletes. You know, there's guys out here who come up to Natty and be like, Hey, you know, I just started doing FP. Like I got this practitioner back at, back at home and you know, everything's going great. I just want to say thanks and blah, blah, blah. And you know, it's kind of cool to see, you know, the impact that, you know, I've had bringing, bringing FP into, into the wrestling world. And these guys are like, like, dumbfounded with how good they feel and you know with how, how the way they're moving and the, the the changes that are have been made like holy cow this is this is potent stuff and you know the the message behind it is just what do humans do they walk run and throw really 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 well and the reason they can do that is just we're bipedal organisms we walk on two feet you know, the way our, the way our hips are shaped, you know, the way our shoulders evolved made us the most precise throwers of any species on this planet. 
Um, and knowing those three things is like, okay, let's try to perfect those three things and then everything else we can kind of adapt to it. Right. So, you know, with my wrestling, you know, there's no, there's no proper way to wrestle. There's so many different variations. Um, but there is a proper way to run and there is a way to do that because that's the way bones are shaped and that's the way joints are made. And if you can, if you can do it, a lot of people run with a lot of pain. They're like, Oh, you know, I just got to ice my back or I got to ice my knees and you know, this hurts and that hurts. It's like, when I run now, I don't hurt at all. I mean, I'm, I feel good when I run. I feel like, I feel like my body's just like pumped up. Like I, I just feel like blood flow just going everywhere, you know, to all my muscles and I'm just ready to, ready to rock and roll. I can, I can go out and, and perform, whether it be a wrestling match or, you know, helping out my, my parents around the house or, you know, fixing something at my house. Sure. You know, those are just the things that, you know, you just feel good. And that, that journey from, you know, it, it's actually pretty cool because my, uh, the, you brought up the documentary before, but he has all of that footage, like the, the complete character development of Kyle Dake has been documented, you know, from 2012 until 2020, he has footage of who I was as a, as a young man who just graduated Cornell university to, you know, a husband and father that I am today. And, you know, Olympic hopeful, Olympic gold medalist hopeful. So. Um, and that's nuts, by the way. I was at dinner with, with Bo Nickel the other night, and he was telling me, like, man, because we were talking about content and different things from a brand standpoint. And he was saying, it's like, yeah, Kyle's had a guy filming him since 2012. And I'm like, man, that is awesome. Like, I don't know if you know who Gary Vee is, but, like, one of the things I love about him is that he's recording so much content that he'll be able to look back with his kids, with his family, with grandkids 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. And I wish I had more discipline to chronicle everything going on. Like, what made you start doing that? Like, how did that come to fruition? It kind of just happened. Um, in 2012, after I had won, you know, my my third NCAA title, there was some buzz about and, and, and wrestling at the trials. There had been some buzz about me potentially going up and blah, 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 blah. And, um, when I finally made the decision that I was going to do that, uh, this guy out in California who had produced some movies in the past, um, was like, Hey, we need to, he called coach Cole. He's like, Hey, we need to do a documentary on this. Like we need to, we need to make sure we have all this content leading up to the big moment. Um, when he wrestles, you know, David at NCAAs and they just, this guy, Greg, Greg Aceta, he was, uh, he wrestled it for, he wrestled off long Island and then went to NYU, became a film student, uh, and still wrestled and then graduated, was working on sets and doing, you know, he had been on a few commercials. He hadn't done much directing. Um, but basically he kind of learned on the fly um, it's the best to way to do it. it. How, how to how to use you know what angles to get, how to set it up, how to you sure. know do all this stuff, and uh, it's funny because it's a the 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 change in the quality from his end has been remarkable because right. not only has it been a a transformation of of 2012 Kyle to 2020 Kyle, it's been a transformation of 2012 Greg to 2022 Greg or sure. 20 Greg. 
and his ability to capture moments um, and and knowing where to be, when to be there, um, is pretty pretty cool. Um, and you know he he's done a really good job uh, doing it, and it kind of just happened. He like had all this footage, and he didn't own any of it, but uh, the four for four documentary had the rights to it all. Right. And, uh, he ended up trying to get those rights back from, uh, back from the guy. And he's like, yeah, you can have them. And he's like, Hey, I want to do, <laughs> I want to follow you until 2016. Cause at the time, you know, it was released. I think it was like 2014, you know, they're trying to release it by NCAAs 2014, the whole thing. And I think they ended up getting it out a little bit after NCAAs, but he's like, Hey, we got the Olympics coming up in two years. Like, how about we just continue this thing and I'll just keep getting interviews and I'll kind That's of come so up cool. whenever I can. And I was like, yeah, dude, like, sure. If you want to do that, you're more right. than welcome to. Like I did, I was like cool with the documentary that he had for my senior in college. Like I wasn't expecting anything else. And he's like, yeah, I really want to do this. And you know, we got talking about it. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Like this is really, really cool. And you know, so now, now we're in a stage where we have, you know, I don't, I don't even know. I think he said he had like nine, nine hard drives just full of what? stuff. Wow. That's wild. And, and it's like, you know, and a lot of it is, is of me wrestling and me practicing or just him interviewing. Like, Hey, what are we doing right now? Like, Hey, what's yep. going on? Like, where are we? And you know, it's like, Hey, we're in, uh, we're in Rome, Italy, and we're getting ready to go to the finals of, uh, the rank first ranking series. And, you know, pretty exciting. He's like, how, you know, how you feeling first time down 74? And it's just like, cool you know, to, to have all that. Oh, it's amazing. dude! I envy that. And, you know, it's crazy because a lot of this, you know, it's going to be, I don't know how long it's going to be, whether it's going to be, you know, 90 or 120 minutes or something. Uh, but we're going to have a hundred times that amount of footage that we can tap into (laughs) and like, you know, and use, um, you know, for, for all sorts of things. But, it's hard for him because he's not getting, you know, he's just following me around. He's not getting paid to do it. Like, right. We're so now we've, we've gone to, um, the U S wrestling foundation and you know, they're, they're helping us out a lot, which is really, really cool. Um, because they'll just be able to get that story out there and you know, it's, it's going to be a not-for-profit film and, um, you know, it's, he's finally going to be able to, to get the the resources that he needs to to make this into something special, you know, before it was just like him sitting on his laptop, going through all the footage, transcribing it all, trying to put it all together, and then now, you know, now he can actually go to a to an editing company to and get a you know get it all mixed and mastered and everything like that. So um, we're pretty excited for for where it's going to be and where it's going to end up. Um, and do you, you know, know just, when potentially you want to release it? Like, do you have a potential idea? I'm the the goal is 2021, like early yeah. 2021, um, and and really the the lead up to it. You know, it's January, so we got 11 months um, to like kind of get it. Well, less than that to the Olympics is you know we have however much time to get prepared for that, and then August to uh, I. Ideally, it would be you know the released a similar around the same time as NCAA is just because that's when all the buzz is. Sure. Yep. You know, and you know maybe maybe we can air it. I don't know where it's going to end up, um, but 
if, if nothing else, if, if nothing else, hopefully uh, Greg gets his money back, you know, that he's put into it because he put a huge, not only time investment, but, you know, from his monetary investment um, into it, just, you know, flying to all these different places and, and doing all these things. Um, you know, hopefully he gets his money back. And then if nobody else in the world watches it, at least I'll have it for my grandkids and, yeah. and for my kids to watch. So that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, man, I'm absolutely pumped. When I heard about that, I'm like, that's that's wild. I mean, I, I love content and I love chronicling and documenting things. And it's kind of one of the next things that I want to bring up. You know, I'm curious on your perspective on content and social media and, and what doesn't go on. You know, I, I've been around long enough in the sport to know that wrestling especially there's so many secrets intentionally unintentionally and from a marketing standpoint i obviously hate them because the more communication you have the more hype you can build the more you can engage your fans but i obviously don't know the back end like i was with kel sanderson a couple days ago and we were talking about social media and and podcasts and everything and i'm always curious on on the other side because being in marketing i'm always like the more content the better but there's always two sides to the story and you know i always wonder like right now why doesn't Jaden announce his weight or you know like you didn't specifically it was kind of hinted and known but you know you didn't really say you were going 74 until you weighed in in italy or until usa wrestling announced it um and i remember like you said like new weight new year same goals and i'm just curious like the athlete perspective on on what goes into like when you want to communicate something and when you don't is it more like trying to build suspense and excitement is it more do you think it's um like an advantage over competitors or what goes into that from the athlete perspective on when you obviously all the fans like they want everything released and there's so many things that I'm kind of privileged to know and hear um, from having so many relationships on the back end that, you know, I see people on Twitter all day long saying stuff and, and I know so many true stories and I just bite my tongue out of respect for my relationships. But I'm curious on your perspective on that, on, on what you kind of keep to yourself, it's, especially when you're chronicling it, right? Like you're you're creating a documentary, so you're also creating sweat equity in that content. But I'm curious on the perspective of when you kind of tease things out or when you keep things to yourself, like what goes into that? Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, you know, creating a little bit of suspense is, is beneficial to – you know who you are because people are just like itching, like constantly asking, like, "Hey, what's right. going on? What are you doing? How are you doing this? What what's going on?" Blah 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 blah. And uh, you know that's that's something that's pretty valuable because now people want to know. You know, right. if, if there's nothing else going on, you know, people are like, "Oh, Kyle, you know, I know exactly what's going on in Kyle's life. That's it." And uh, I don't really need to ask any more questions. And right. you know, so but at the same time, it's like you kind of want to play stuff keep some cl- stuff close to the vest yep. because you know, it, wh- why do they need to know? Why, do, why does, why does every, the world need to know exactly what I'm doing every second of the day? Sure. You know, I'd rather that come out later when, you know, I'm, uh, I'm releasing it on my time. You know, yep. it, it comes out in this, this long documentary and now people are like, that's what happened. Oh, that's what right. That's how that happened. That is really cool. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I just think it's just like a different way of, of communicating to your fans is like, hey, you know, you'll get all of it. You just got to be patient. And there's not very many people who are willing to be patient anymore. Right. We, we live in a very like, what have you done for me lately society? We live in a very instant gratification society where, you know, we we all have so much access to so much content and 
you know, typically the more successful someone is, and especially within the sport of wrestling, the more successful they are, the more they kind of keep things close to their chest. You see the guys who are, you know, multiple time world Olympic champions, keeping more and more to their self. And obviously that, that creates the, the awe of like what's going to happen next. So I'm always just curious, you know, it's like, even now as a fan, like I want to know is Cox going 86? Is he going 97? Like, is he going to wrestle Dave? Is he going to wrestle Kyle? And I'm sure Jaden's kind of, you know, I, you know, if, if I have to be honest, like I, I like it from a, a suspense standpoint, because you don't know. So it keeps you wondering and it keeps you kind of, staying staying tuned i think you're unique too with having a documentary where not many people are going to have that opportunity you're creating for yourself which is you're gonna you're gonna have all the answers like you're gonna hear the story behind it and i'm sure that at this point i'm sure that only contributes more to what you're doing like does it give you more of a perspective going into stuff like the otc and the olympic trials and over this next next six months like are you trying more to create suspense that you can hold on to for the documentary? You know, a, a little bit, not nothing crazy. I mean, I'm, sure. I'm not trying to, you know, create suspense just to create it. You know, I'm not going to, you know, change the way I'm training or change right. the what I'm doing, you know, because of that. But, you know, there's a part of me that's like, man, should I go to the OTC and, and kind of show my hand a little bit? Right. And, you know, it, not only, and I said this before, you know, you're, you're showing your hand, but so is everybody else. Right. You know, so, so is everybody else. And, you know, there's been times where you go and you have, <laughs> it's funny, you're, you know, you're wrestling and you, you're wrestling, you know, a guy from another, another RTC, but there's another coach who's not even a part of your RTC or their RTC. And they're just, they're just sitting there watching you wrestle. You know, they're, they're, they're right. just getting free scouting report, you know, <laughs> right. by doing that. Yeah. And, you know, it, and, and, you know, it does, it's not just happening to me. It happens all the time. And, you know, coaches are just, you know, they sit there and, you know, they try to hide the fact that they're not watching you, but you know, like, you know, right. of course. You, you know how they're, you know how they're operating because they're trying to get any advantage they can. And they see this as a potential advantage. Like, why would they take it? So, yeah. um, you know, but that's, that's part of, that's part of it because I'm, you know, I, I, I weighed both, both sides. I'm like, you know what, it, it, I can get better, um, by going out there and I can, I can improve myself enough to where whatever they're finding, um, is going to be irrelevant. Totally. And, you know, I think like looking towards the Olympic trials, we're about two months away now and your weight is arguably the most interesting story of any weight. I mean, you're a two-time world champion, and you're going to have to beat the likes of Jason Nolf, a three-time NCAA champ, Imar, multiple-time national, national champ, Jordan Burroughs, a five-time world Olympic champ. Like, what? what's the mindset when you know that, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, you hear the cliche of, a setback is a setup for a comeback or something like that. And you've kind of had those setbacks in your career. And it sounds like through the, through the advantages you've gained through the unique training and, and health perspective, like you've definitely benefited from the runner up positions and, and the losses. And now here you're coming off a two year run of just being unstoppable as absolutely dominant as it comes and here to make the olympic and world team like you gotta beat just such an unbelievable field like what's what's the perspective that goes into that to know like 
you have to 100% be on on point and is it a is it a blind not blind but like is it a blind trust in your training thus far or or do you still kind of try to make adjustments further knowing that you know you're two months out from such important matches yeah i think a lot of it has, is just like quiet confidence you know i am just like really confident in my in my training that i know that like i have the absolute best training in the world there's I've looked elsewhere. I've tried to find it. There's, it's not out there. I got it. And sure. I, I, I've, you know, I've, I've looked for, you know, I, you know, with FP and and even even Nadia say it, he's like, I hope there's someone that can that figures this out better than me. That way, I can just follow them and let them do all. Sure. The you know, it makes that makes my life way easier. I can just do whatever they say, and I'm good to go. Right, but, makes you know, it easier. And, yeah, so like you know, it's not like it's not like for a lack of effort, like trying to find, like you know, a, a training program. Like, hey, this actually looks like it might be better than what I got. I'm gonna test it out, and that's a big thing for me. I'm just testing constantly, just constantly yeah. testing what we're trying to do, whether it be a you know wrestling technique or whether it be a biomechanical change or corrective exercise or you know a, a different MFR technique. You know, I'm just constantly, constantly trying to improve myself and realize that you know a lot of times it's it's going to be, you know, I'm on, I'm on the razor's edge. I'm, I'm on the cutting edge of, of, uh, of fitness and of biomechanics and health. And I got, I, I literally have no, I, I, I can't see any other mode of, of training that will put me better than where I'm at right now. So like just having that confidence in your training is like, okay, let's go. You know, and, and a lot of it has to do with, I'm not going to, you know, mention any names, but you know, there's guys who, you know, do different training protocols and they think they have the best training protocols. Sure. But they're coming to me for advice. You know, they're yep. coming, hey, what do I do here? And then I tell them and they're like, wow, that worked. Like, that's really good stuff. Okay, cool. But then they go back and do, you know, whatever they were doing. So, you know, it's, I know I've put hundreds of changes out there on wrestlers and then like, hey, do this, you'll feel better. And they do it and they're like, oh, that's great. And, from their perspective, it's just like, oh, it's just uh, another wrestler helping out another wrestler. I've done the same thing, but you know, the stuff I'm telling sure. them, it has nothing, has very little to do with wrestling and more to do right. with, you know, their their health. And that's why I, I had this like confidence. And it was, you know, one of the one of the things I thought about was, you know, when I was out at uh out in Rome, I'm like thinking, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm feeling pretty good, like come to think of it i don't have any excuses if i lose <laughs> right like, well, i i'm just if i lose i lose that's it right and there's a little bit of a you know of peace with that it's like man there's totally nothing dude. i can do if that guy's better than me on this day you know hats off to him he's better than me like that's it i i have no excuses that's it and that i i've tried to put myself in those positions as much as possible um throughout my career and you know i could beat me on that day you know that's it is what it is i gotta get better and now i'm like i gotta get better at wrestling but at the same time i'm there's not much there's not much more i can do there's stuff i can do but it hasn't even been invented yet so (laughs) i have to i have to wait for that to come out and then once it does i can get better again so um it's it's a cool it's a cool side of of history to be on. For sure. And you know, it's so interesting because after 
a weekend like a couple weekends ago where you go out in the finals and you just absolutely dominate. And, you know, part of it is wrestling's a what have you done for me lately sport and watching you wrestle, you know, the, it, it ignites such debate. Like, Dake's making the Olympic team. There's no way he doesn't make the Olympic team. And then there's the side of the argument that's like, listen, Burroughs is the GOAT until he's beaten. And, the, you know, it, it's it's amusing as a fan to, to watch both sides of the argument or, or the conversation, which is like, look at, you know, Dake is a two-time world champ. If we put him out there, he's going to win a gold medal for, for the U.S. And then the other side is, look at Jordan's a five-time world Olympic champ. This could be the last year he wrestles. I want him to make the team, and, and I want him to go out on top. Like, what what's your perspective on, you know, wrestling Jordan at the trials where – He's arguably the current greatest American wrestler there is, and and he's in your way, right? Like it's such a tough sport where only one of your dreams can come true in April. What's your perspective towards approaching that? Where it's like, you know, I I, I gotta believe both you and him are, are such professionals, and you know, this is what you do for a living. And, and I don't think it's personal. You guys don't hate each other. You guys respect each other. What's the perspective going into a match like that? You know, I. Obviously, you know, he's done a lot and, and I've done a lot too, but it's a new day. It's a, it's a, this is, this is a completely new version of Kyle Dake and George Burroughs. They're, they're new people, sure, you know, sure. whether it be better or worse, um, but it's new and it's not going to be the, the way it was. Um, and, you know, there's going to be some tendencies that are the same, but, but there's going to be some things that are different and, right. You, you have to go in with this fresh mindset every time and that's the way I kind of approach it is like, all right, here we go. Let's let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready? Let's <laughs> let's bring right. Let's get it. And you know, there's uh we're both we're, like you said, we're both trying to accomplish this goal. And yep. the goal we're pigeonholed. And we're pigeonholed in April. And there are six other weight classes or eighteen other weight classes that are pigeonholed. Yeah. Because they're pigeonholed, some eighteen people are going to be happy. Eighteen people are not going to be happy. So, right or more than eighteen, people more than that, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so, I'm just going at it like, hey, this is another competition. This is a big one, but it's another competition. Like, I have to make sure that I prepare these next two months to control as many variables as possible. You know, what yep. variables can I control? How can I make sure that there is nothing that I didn't do? in order to put myself in a position to, to dominate and put myself in a position to where I have the opportunity to wrestle in Tokyo. So, yep. you know, it, people try to complicate it a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I have to beat whoever's in front of me. You know, I honestly, it's not even, it's not even guaranteed that I'll be able to wrestle Jordan. And sure. that's, that's, that's nothing. That's not, you know, I, I feel like, in the past, I would have thought of that as like a mental weakness, yep. but now I'm like, yeah, of course. Like that makes so much sense. It's just a sign of maturity, you know. I'm gonna have to wrestle two really good guys, um, in order to get there, and yep. I need to be on my A game for those guys. And you know, that's that's my plan. Is my plan is to be able to decimate anybody I anybody I go out against, and you know, that's that's my goal is to you know, go out in 10 0 or 12 0, you know, all my competition. Sure. So that's kind of where I'm at. And 
how I how I'm approaching every match. For sure. And I think that's the proper perspective. Like, I think, you know, you, like I said, you guys are arguably two of the most professional guys that could potentially rep the USA and to have each other in your weight class. Like, unless Jaden goes up to 97 and wrestles Snyder, I, I, and even then, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the same. I, I'd probably say you and Burroughs is a one, is the, the one and two, and then maybe Dake and, and, um, or, Maybe Cox and, and Snyder would be close after that, but it's definitely the proper perspective, I think, to to, to respect your opponent. Where you have so many people that just kind of think ignorantly. But you know, the last thing here I want I kind of want to bring up is about a month ago, just before Christmas, you got a lot of people both nervous and excited about you posted a video with using your hands and punching. And I'm curious on your perspective and your thoughts on MMA in your future. You know, a lot of that was, um, it was, it was about biomechanics, you know, and there's, there's common threads and we start pulling on enough threads, seeing where they end up. uh, they, They lead you into some, some pretty specific places. And one of those, one of those is learning how to throw, not only just throw a ball, but throw your hand and, you know, learning how to punch is, is really, it, it makes you a lot stronger, um, in a lot of different ways. And I'm not going to get into, you know, all the specifics of it, sure. but, you know, being able to throw a, a, a good combination, you know, being able to throw a punch or being able to throw a good kick, um, is, is really good for your biomechanics is really good for, um, you know, the, the health of your body. And, um, you know, that was only the third time I'd hit mitts before. Like I had never, you know, I had never done any boxing as a kid. I'd never done any of that. Um, I had always been, you know, just, if anybody tries to, you know, tries to mess with me, I'm just going to wrestle to the ground. And, right. You're taking them down. Like, <laughs> right. like there's no, <laughs> there's not a single person. There's not a person in the world that can stop my takedowns. So, you know, there's probably maybe like five or six people in the entire world that could, that could potentially stop my takedowns. So, right. um, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Um, you know, just walking around Lansing, New York, where, uh, the population <laughs> is about 10,000. So, right. Um, you know, and do I ever see a potential in, in an MMA career? It's it's possible. I'm not going to write anything off. Sure. Uh, but right now, I'm focused on on 2020, and you know, I'm I'm focused on taking care of my family. My my little daughter's just running around like a crazy person. <laughs> I can wanting, hear her. And I'm smiling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's just like sprinting from from room to room, trying. So did to, your whole family come uh, down to the it. OTC? Yeah, my I I flew with my wife and my daughter Ella Joe yesterday. I love that. And uh, we got a little Airbnb. Like I don't know, less than five miles away from the OTC, so we're uh, we're hanging out in between sessions right now. Eljo needs to go to needs to go down for a nap, but uh, she's fighting it pretty hard. She wants to hear what Daddy has to say. <laughs> Everybody does, man. So listen, I, I'm I'm grateful you you took the time on a busy schedule to to come on the show, and I know your fans are going to be excited. And you know I'm going to link up everything in this, the description of this podcast so people can can follow you. You have a do you have an Instagram for the documentary too? I thought I saw that somewhere. Yeah, it's called the Dake Doc. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll link that up too. And yeah, at the Dake Doc on Instagram. Or is it yeah. is it a Facebook page too? 
Um, yes. I'll find so. it and link that up too. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Sounds good. All right, cool, man. Well, listen, best of luck to you. Um, I, I think that it's going to be absolute fireworks regardless of who you have at the trials. And if, you know, the fans win and it's you versus Jordan, I think uh, – I think it's going to be the main event. So I'm pumped, and, and thank you for, for making the time to come on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, man. I'm grateful for what you bring to the sport and thankful for you coming on the show and telling your story, and I know all of these listeners are too. And speaking of you listeners, if you want to follow Dake on his journey through the Olympic trials, through potentially the Olympics, through MMA, I'm going to link up his social accounts below, his Dake documentary accounts below. Give him a follow and show him some love. And be sure to let us both know what you thought of this episode. If you're giving it a listen, you're still listening, share it on social, tag us, encourage your friends to give it a listen as well. Until next time, see ya. And the beat goes on.